Hi everyone, this is International Society of Hypertension Podcast. I'm Associate Professor Francine Marques from Monash University, Australia, and my co-host is Dr. Augusto Montesano from the University of Glasgow, Scotland. Welcome everyone to the podcast from the International Society of Hypertension. And today I'm super excited because the Mentoring and Training Committee Duo is back to interview another great uh, guest. So I'm Augusto Montesano, a Walton Fellow in Cardiovascular Medicine from the University of Glasgow. And with me, I have Professor Francini Marcus uh, from uh, Monash University. And today we're going to be interviewing Dr. Mariani Bertagnoli, who is an assistant professor at the School of Physical and Occupational Therapy from a university and a researcher of the Hospital Sacre-Cœur in the beautiful Montreal, Canada. Mari, in addition to all of this, she's also an emerging scientist and leader uh, in hypertension research. And today is extra special this podcast because we're going to be talking to someone that recently went through a lot of changes in her career and she's here to share those experiences. Mari, welcome, and we're very excited to have you here with us today. Thank you, Augusto. Thank you, Francine, for this invitation. It's a pleasure for me to be here with you and to be able to share a bit my experience with uh, everyone here. So, Mari, like, Mari, Mari, I'm going to be Mari. So, Mari, just to get, like, things started, like, can you tell us a little bit, like, how did you get involved with the field of hypertension? and the International Society of Hypertension. Yeah, so everything uh, everything started for me during my undergrad program in physiotherapy back in Brazil. So I did my studies in Santa Maria at the University Federal University of Santa Maria. And when I was finishing physiotherapy, I got very interested in the effects of uh, cardiac rehabilitation and particularly on hypertension in hypertensive uh, patients. Uh, and uh, at that time, I wanted to pursue more like a bit of research and I was interested also in the physiological aspects. So what I did, I wrote a project uh, to assess like some effects of exercise in SHR model in rats. So by then I, I have never worked with rats before, but I thought that it was important to do this. And uh, I did this project, I wrote this project and I started to go everywhere like uh, to knock on the doors of uh, many researchers in the field in my hometown, Santa Maria, and also in Porto Alegre, that is the biggest city in the south of Brazil. Until one day, one researcher accepted me. And this person, this uh, researcher is my uh, Professor Maria Claudia Rigoyen, that is professor at the Department of Physiology and also one of the big, biggest names in, on hypertension in Brazil. So I was very lucky. And um, I was happy that she accepted me and I still don't know if she accepted me because I had a great project or because she just found it was very nice to have someone already here uh, with this initiative of coming with a project. And she was a great supervisor. I was also co-supervised by Katia Rigato, Professor Katia Rigato, that is also an amazing researcher in the field of hypertension. And they, they uh, showed me the right way, I think. They showed me how to do a good quality research. They gave me independence. So they gave me freedom to do the project that I wanted. And uh, always giving their guidance and their advice and supporting me, teaching me on the way. And I think also the fact that they are, uh, they recognize the importance of having like an international career or recognition in the international uh, uh, aspects, like context, I think they motivated me to pursue this uh, international uh, career and, and also academia. So uh, I'm very thankful for them for this start because they accepted me and they showed me the good way at that time. So I did with them, they supervised me during the master's and PhD. When I finished uh, my PhD, I did a short postdoc, still with them, I changed institutions. So I was in the cardiology institute also in Porto Alegre. And I also worked with Professor Hobson Santos that is also a great name in, uh, in the hypertension field in Brazil and also internationally. 
and they uh, uh, they also like motivated me to participate in international conferences and some of them were organized or had the, su had the support of the International Society of Hypertension. And then after uh, also somehow like they were connected also with uh, international teams and collaborating with them. And this is how the opportunity to go and do a postdoc uh, in Canada, to move to Canada and, and pursue a postdoc there, it, it came up. So everything started by these, uh, this work together with them and the collaborations that they had that, uh, that, uh, that opened the doors for me to start this international career in Canada. And Mani, um... I met you through uh, some committees that we now sit together, some conferences. So I know that you're sitting now in the Women in Hypertension uh, Committee, uh, part of the ISH. Also, we sit together in the Gordon uh, Committee. Uh, I was just wondering if you can comment on how important it is to sit in committees to advance uh, your career and how you manage to do it all while you still run a very busy lab. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I, because of this, because uh, once I moved uh, out of uh, Brazil, I found that, this, uh, they, uh, that it was very important to share experience and to network with peers, to understand a bit how it works. Because the, the, we know that the system, the career house opportunities and the career progress in each country is different. So in Brazil, we have like a structure uh, that is like you have to be professor while you go in some other countries, you start as researcher and then the professorship comes later. Some countries, it comes together, it is together. And uh, soon when I start, when I arrived in Canada, for me to understand how it works, I start to network with, and mo mostly with colleagues. And these societies, they helped me a lot to, to find like a, a good platform for networking and for uh, collaborating with other teams. So uh, I, I agree with you when you say that, that uh, uh, it's hard to do it when we are managing a laboratory, like a lab team also, but it's uh, very worthy because we have the opportunity to sit with uh, colleagues and also uh, at the same level as us as junior, but also with, uh, with uh, researchers and, and clinicians even that, that are more experienced in the field and they can teach us how to uh, like a little bit of mentoring us, but also like guide a bit and give advice that are very uh, positive for our career that, helps, that can help a lot in our career. So I know that it's uh, very time demanding participating in these committees, but they, uh, for me, it has been like a great experience and a great opportunity to meet colleagues and to interact and network with colleagues, to establish collaborations and, and just to learn more with people that are more experienced or with colleagues that they can share also some good experience. I completely yeah. agree. Yeah. No, like me too. Like it's it's a perfect place for you to build together um, your network, right? So and get to know people from different places and and all of that. So, Mari, like change a little bit now from your career and focusing on your mentoring side of uh, things. So, if you need to define mentorship in one word, word, how be what would be that word? So. Uh if in general for me mentorship, the word that I would say would be guidance. But uh, for my personal mentorship experience, for me was support. So uh, there is the, these two aspects for me that I value a lot because for me, my experience with mentorship, my personal experience with mentorship that I had was because there I found the biggest and the best support especially in the times that were harder for me in my career. So the times that I was thinking about, I never thought about quitting, but I sometimes I thought, what should I do now? I was completely lost and I didn't know how to, how the best way to do, who I could talk to. And the mentorship was uh, entered here in a very important way to give me a support and to give me confidence that I could continue, that I could pursue, that there is better ways to do it. So uh, this for me, like this support 
it was priceless for me. And it was in the special and the best moments that I needed. So uh, uh, for me, this, but in general, what I think uh, there are many different aspects of the mentorship, but I think guidance is a good word because sometimes we tend to be a little bit unfocused or we are a bit lost, especially in these transition moments that we don't know exactly how it works. And then a mentor will be great to guide us on, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that the, the mentor has to take us by the hand and say, come with me, I'm going to take you, but just to show us the ways and the consequences of each one, like to anticipate a bit the consequences or the, the best way to go. So, and then we, it's on us to decide, but I think this guidance is, is also priceless. So, <clears throat> you mentioned already like a little bit of like how mentorship is important. But like, let's say if somebody after listening to this and goes to you and say, yeah, I'm still not convinced. Like, I don't think mentorship is for me. What would you tell that person? So probably it, it's going to get a time that you know that you need it. So <laughs> just wait for it. No, uh, it's, uh, it depends. I, I think that uh, uh, some people, I, I met people on the way that never had like a formal mentorship, but I think the mentorship has different aspects here too. Like now, for example, at McGill, I'm participating in a peer mentorship, mentorship program. So it's not that we have an official mentor that is a more experienced or senior researcher or professor that is going to help us or mentor us on the way, but it's like a, it's a peer. So sometimes it can be like a group of, colleague, of colleagues that are in the same level as you or a little bit more advanced. And we just sit together and we discuss about career topics and we can just share experience. This is also a mentorship. And, uh, and uh, I, I can tell you that you two that are here sharing with me, you somehow were a bit my mentors too at some point, because I many times I contacted one of you for some advice, for some, um, uh, to share some experience that you had in some specific aspects that I know that I'll face. And this for me is also a mentorship. So even if a person thinks that doesn't need somebody uh, that it's uh, like a more senior or more experienced to mentor, the, the fact that, that you share your experience with our colleagues is already a mentorship. So I think this everybody will need and it's very important at some point in your career. And I agree. I like that you mentioned. <laughs> Sorry, good go. No, go ahead, friend. Go ahead. I was going to say, I really like that you mentioned about the peer support because I think that's something that I have experienced lately that it's a really lovely thing to be doing this peer mentoring. And it, it's a um, basically swapping, you know, suggestions and swapping experiences with our colleagues and the people that as we do that, we know that they're good researchers and what we're trying to do is grow everybody together. And I think that that's so important to actually be able to have that uh, community feeling. So mm -hmm. I really love that you mentioned that. And, and I think like there's something that you said, Mari, that I, I totally agree with you and I, I wish it was stronger in other people, which is the sharing the experiences. And I'm so happy that like the mentorship programs have changed or are changing. Because let's say before you go to a conference and then they had to have to know that mentorship program for the ECRs. So usually they put you see you're sitting in a circle or any sort of like uh, shape that it forces you to share. But like it, it makes you like very like nervous. And then you just have like a senior person that tells you pretty much. And if you look at it, tells you pretty much the same thing over and over again. Be this, be that. But they don't share, you know, they, they're high and low. It's like before, they you should be like very like, you know, uh, that boxed program. But now it's different because we're offering, and uh, the MTC, we do that a lot in our program. So you're offering mentors to people that are willing to share their experiences, as you said. And, and I think that's the beauty of it. Like getting to know, let's say, that you... Um, like just said like oh I had like a hard time where I felt like oh what I'm doing and then you went to a mentor that took you out of that dark space you know like say so like no wake up come on you're good you can do this uh, that's amazing because everybody that sees you and see like I'm not lying here guys Maddie is one of the best people for you to go when you're depressed because she's so happy 
and her energy makes you like, you know, beats every single ounce of negativity out of your body. It's so hard to see you, Mari, like in a, in a situation like that. And then like makes me not happy that you went through it, but it makes me uh, happy to see that you were able to say, I need help, you looked for help, and then somebody helped you. So, so it's amazing. Yeah, this I, I can even share with you maybe the, the experience that I had the moment that I thought that the mentor was more like was important for me. And then I I recognized this and then it was the moment that I got it. So um, I can share with you if you want. But also just going back to the previous question, also linking to what you said is because sometimes also when I, I ask an advice from more experienced, more senior researcher, researchers uh, during their career the path was a bit different than what is now also so the system changed a lot and uh, especially like in in countries i think in canada too where it became very competitive in the pre in the past like in the in the last years so for them it was different it was like more based on do your work concentrate and succeed like do you and and everything is gonna flow okay well, now this happens to all my peers. So it, it's uh, everybody is doing the same and the, the spots free for us are, are limited and more competitive. So in this aspect, I thought that the, my peers, they were more helpful on sharing their experience and advice because they were going through the same process as I was and the same level of competition that I was at the moment. And I, I thought this was more precious for me and more helpful. But as the time changed, like, and also as you advance in your career, I'm sure that these advices from more experienced people, more senior, they, they are certainly like also very helpful to guide us too. But we have to have this balance. So I always agree that we have to have this too. And now like sharing a bit my personal experience. So the moment that I thought that was like, uh, that the that I thought that I sh I should have and I needed uh, a mentor, and but that's exactly what we're going to ask next. Like like when when was that, Mari? Like when? Yeah, did you, when when? So yeah, when when did you realize that? Yeah, because before when I was in Brazil, in Brazil at least when I was there many years ago, there we didn't have this culture of mentorship. Our mentor was our supervisor, and. When I moved to Canada, was I continue a bit with this, uh, this, uh, this in mind that my supervisor will be my mentor. And just with the time and seeing other colleagues and other people in, in different institutions or other countries, that they actually have a mentor that is disconnected to your, your project and your current uh, program, uh, specific or that ha has like a, a dire direct conflict of interest with you like that this uh, it, it's a different relationship and uh, and that can be like uh, have some advantages also because of this so for me during my postdoc I didn't have much this I was starting to observe but I was a bit in this situation good to that you said before I think I don't need because I have a good relationship with my supervisors and um, like uh, they always guided me well, they gave me good advice and I was like progressing well, the opportunities was, was coming and were coming. So I thought that everything was okay. But the point that I thought that it was needed was when I did the transition from my postdoc to uh, the independent uh, uh, career. So I was not sure actually how to do it. And I was not sure the best way to do it. And if I actually wanted to do it. But at some point in my postdoc uh, in Canada, I thought that, okay, this is what I want. I want to pursue this independent career. I want to lead a lab and a group. And I need, it, I need to be trained for this. And I need also to find a way to discover, like not discover, but to, um, to uh, improve like my personal skills and in a way to give me something different from the teams that I worked with before. So then I moved, uh, at that time, I had the opportunity to go to Oxford to do a postdoc, to do another postdoc. And it was amazing because I learned so much. And uh, I was like in a very competitive field also where I had to develop my independence there. And I have to learn how to do it in a positive way in collaboration with colleagues. 
And then for personal reasons, also uh, because my postdoc also was finishing my period of postdoc, and then also for personal reasons, I wanted to go back to Canada. And uh, I was also decided to pursue my career here, specifically like in Quebec and in Montreal for personal reasons too. And uh, at this time, I didn't know well how to do it. So I, I had like a lot of things in, at the same time. I didn't have a perspective of job waiting for me, even though I had some contacts and I have some collaborations in, in, in back in Canada, but I didn't know how to do it correctly, like how to do it uh, uh, how to do it, who, how to approach people and how to go and defend the project that I want to develop and how to prove that I am independent in this aspect. So I have many questions on my mind and I didn't know even where to start, how to start. So at that time, I contacted uh, uh, Professor Rian Taus because uh, she was at the time leading the um, women in hypertension uh, research at the ISH, and I was also a member of the ISH at the time, so I was participating in some events and following all the committees and activities and initiatives that they have. And uh, I think at the time they were just starting this committee or they like they were starting some initiatives with this, this, uh, this program. And I contacted her because of this, one of the reasons, and, and I told her, I said, I am moving to Canada uh, back, I'm moving back to Canada. I want to establish myself there for personal reasons. And, uh, and I need help. I need the help of someone that already uh, understand how, it, how we, we have to, how we can do this in Canada specifically and how is the best way to do it. I need somebody to guide me to do it. And then she put me in contact with, with, um, uh, with someone from Canada that has like a lot of experience, a lot of contacts. And, and then this person like kind of uh, was the person that gave me the whole support at this moment, because it's really a hard moment that we have again, as I did in the beginning of my hypertension career, I had to put the project under my arms and go knock at the doors, on the doors, and then see if someone would, uh, would like agree to, to give me the conditions to, to pursue that project that I want to develop. And uh, so it was, it was very hard. And because this process is a long process, it's not a process that you go, you start contacting people and in a few weeks, a few days, you have some responses. It really takes like months and months and sometimes even years. And sometimes you have like this, you have some positive responses, but not yet confirmed. And then on the way, things can change. And this happened to me a lot. So I had institutions that, demonstrated interest and things were progressing very well. It was almost a yes and then suddenly no from one day to another. And then this was very, very hard. Like it, it, it took very hard, like for me it was very hard. And then this man, the mentor uh, was there to give me this support, like the, this confidence. So uh, uh, to say, no, you believe in your project, you can do everything you, you can, uh, people will know that you can do and just just continue don't because this is for everybody so just continue be persistent be confident and it's going to work so then I just follow this advice so this was really really like a motivation for me and then I was just continuing continuing and then at the end it worked so this is the advice uh, that I give to people um, um even if you now you are in a good sta you, you, stage of your career, these ups and downs happen to anyone. Even if you are good, if you are successful, if you are brilliant, there will have moments that will have downs. And the mentor and the peers, like they, they are great support for you at this moment because they can share experience. And by you to know that people pass by similar situations and succeeded and how they did and how they are there to support you, it's priceless. Like it's really good and it's good. It, help, it helps a lot, I think. Thank you, Marie, for sharing that. I, I really like the things that you mentioned. I really like that you shared your struggles because I think this is so important that we talk about like the imposter syndrome that we talk about that nobody has that perfect or very few people would have that perfect career progression um, and uh, be able to find positions so easy these days. 
I remember my PhD supervisor, he was doing a postdoc in San Francisco and he saw a job at Sydney University in a newspaper and he just sent uh, his CV and he got the job. Imagine that, like that was 40 years ago. Imagine these days, like what do we have to actually do and prove ourselves to be able to get a position. So I love that you mentioned that. I love that you also mentioned about realizing that you needed a mentor that wasn't your supervisor and that not always your supervisor is your mentor. Because I think that's one of the biggest barriers we in the mentoring and training committee we see. People just assume that they have their mentor and that's their supervisor and that's it. They don't realize the benefits of having someone that is external that doesn't have any, it's not going to benefit in any way uh, if you progress or not in your creative publish or not. Uh, and uh, I think that's really, really important. Thank you, really like that. Um, can you tell us a little bit that, about your mentoring style now that you have your lab and you are uh, an emerging leader? Can you tell us about what do you do, like how you mentor your mentees in your lab, but also external? And if you can give us any examples uh, of the specific ways that you have helped them? Yeah, so me, I'm just starting now in this mentorship role now. I and because I always made jokes before that I don't know if I am, if I will be a good mentor because my way was always a, a, the hardest way. <laughs> but, um, uh, but one thing that I, made me realize that maybe I can be a good mentor is that I learned it the hardest way, but doesn't mean that the others are going to pass. I can guide them to go to an easier way maybe. But so uh, one thing, and this also I, I learned uh, when I was in Oxford, that it, it was a very competitive place. And uh, one thing that I observed there is that most of my colleagues that were sharing uh, labs and also because we were like in a common lab and um, we were interacting a lot with our colleagues there. And we were talking a lot and I was asking about their career goals. And usually they define their career goals much uh, much um, earlier than me, for example. So um, this uh, we know that now it's hard sometimes to pursue a career in academia and we have like the possibility to go to the industry or to work like in something in the middle. And, but what I saw there is that defining this early, as early as possible help to, to to guide your way and to succeed. So what I do, I learned this because I saw that there, because they were doing this earlier, they were guiding their, their programs, like based on, like focus on that. And then they were more successful after on what they wanted. So I saw this, I observed this. And then now with my, with my mentees, what I do is to, to have this conversation at the beginning doesn't mean that I ask them to define now what they want. If they want to be a professor, if they want to be a researcher, if they want to go to the industry, but I, I want them to reflect about it and to see that known is bad and known is easy. <laughs> so uh, just for them to understand that, uh, uh, that if you decide to go to industry, it's not because you didn't succeed in the academia. It shouldn't be like this, but that all the ways are good and are successful. And they, for them just to understand how they are and how to prepare for them also. Because sometimes they can decide this at the beginning and this is gonna be easier after to, to guide in the program and to give some guidance. But some of them, they are not sure. And I don't force them to decide now, but just to have keep this in mind and observe people that work in the industry, what are the skills that they need to develop while people that go to go that decide to go to academia, what are the skills that they need to develop? And I'm going to be there to give advice on the skills that they want to develop. So this is the 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 way I decide to do. One thing that I also do is uh, I take a lot into account the values of my mentees. Uh, so, for example, I'm going to give you an example that. For me, uh, one thing that motivates me a lot to be in academia is because I somehow, I like somehow I always found a way to have fun. And this is a value for me. I, and it's something that motivates me because if I would not have fun on my work, 
I will not be, be there. Like I, I don't think, I, so it's a value. I'm just giving one example. It's not the most important, but I'm just giving an example. So for me, it has to be fun. So I, tr I always try to make my work environment a fun environment. So I'll, I'll, a place where people that work with me, are, it, like everybody's going to have fun, that, that the project is going to be fun, that le the learning process is going to be fun, and we are going to have a good time and share a good time. Because even if the results are negative or nothing works, at least you had fun. So this is for me what, what counts. So, uh, and uh, me, like I always thought that my mentors, they, they understood this. And they, every time I come with them with someone that I want an advice, they say, but are you going to have fun if you do this or not? So they respect my value. So this is just an example. And uh, I, when, I, when I have a, a mentee, like I always try to understand what is the main value or what are the values of the mentee that I want the mentee to keep this on the way. So it doesn't matter the ups and downs, the frustrations, if the values are aligned with the goals, I think it's going to be in a good way. So uh, less like without so much sacrifice, but more like in more joyful, like more that, the, the, that you are going to enjoy more. And I think it's going to also motivate you to go through all the difficulties. If you know that it's aligning with your values, if it's, it's, uh, it's your, your goals, you are going, you are pursuing it, but also keeping your values there. So I think this is a good, a good aspect that I try to keep in my mentorship. Yeah, thank you, Maria. I think we have very similar mentoring and supervisory um, uh, styles because I do exactly the same thing. And, uh, and I would say that for us in Australia, at least one of the biggest barriers is teaching people that working, that live in academia and not necessarily having a career long in, in research in academia is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. That uh, there is still a lot of uh, mentality that going to industry is going to the dark side and, um, and uh, like this silly concept. And it's, uh, it's so hard for us to break, you know, through that and teach people that whatever they do, they can be successful, they can be happy they can be happier doing that than perhaps being in academia. So yeah, I really like that. And I really like the, the fun mentality as well. Yeah. And uh, what traits do you think a good mentee has? So I think it's, it's the, a good capacity to listen, like to, uh, to understand also the, 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 like to have a good understanding of the, the difficulties that we may face, that we have. But I think it's this, like, I think a, a, a mentor that respects your values like this, that take this into consideration and uh, is also like, um, um, it's a person that is engaged to, to do this alignment between your goals and your values. I think it's good. Doesn't matter much if the mentor is always there but if the mentor is there at the moments that you need and respect, I think these principles, I think it's, uh, it's going to be a good mentor. And the sharing experience also. Another thing is uh, um, uh, not seeing the mentee in a hierarchical way, but more in a, in a colleague way. Also in a way that um, is a person, is a colleague that is there and that is passing through, uh, uh, that is following a path that you follow before, like if it's a person that is more experienced and seeing this in a way that you can share more experience instead of like uh, saying exactly what the person should do in order to succeed. So I think having this flexibility or this understanding that the paths now sometimes are different and that it can still work and just like helpful with the experience of, uh, of the others or, or your own on how to do it. I think it's a, it's a, good, it's a good point. So, Maria, you're mentioning there like, you know, like the, a good mentor. But I think like it's not only the mentor, right? Like the environment as well. So like, uh, you also need, like, let's say when you are growing and developing your career, you need to think about the environment and that that environment is going to help you to go through it. So in terms of like talking about the environment now, like what would you tell people how to identify that environment is going to be good for your growth? And especially now that interviews and things are being done via Zoom. 
and not personally. How how would you pick up things or details or hints web about the environment? Yeah, so here comes again, I think uh, an important point where the peers sometimes can can be uh, very helpful because uh, again, like um, when we 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 are searching like the places where we want to work or targeting places to start contacting for like our next step, uh, it's good if you can share uh, or you can, if you can talk to someone that already had a good experience like or any experience in this place just to share uh, what are the, the good points and the weak points and then you can have to decide what is the best for your career. But I think, and I think talking to peers is very, is very good in this sense. And here is again, like one thing that I found was, was good for me to participate like in the International Society of Hypertension and other societies uh, or committees uh, is that um, you get to know people from everywhere in the world. And even though you are searching for some specific environment because you want, you need to be there or you want to be in some specific place, Understanding a bit how it is in other places also uh, advantages and disadvantages, it, it gets you, I think, a better picture of what is going to be good for you. For me, personally, for me, every time I was going somewhere, the things that I was um, worried or trying to get this information about the environment is uh, how much freedom they give you to develop your project or to, to develop new skills, because I don't want it, I don't, I never wanted to be fix it in a project that I didn't develop or I didn't participate in the development of this project and it was just given to me even if it has like a big potential to be very successful and a big publication uh, it's not this the point like for me the research was always I want I need to be engaged in this project even because or because I developed it or I participated actively in developing it so it's a big motivation and for me also, uh, things that also keep me, that, that are very positive is places where you can learn new skills, that you can develop new skills, even if you are developing these skills or innovation on your own, or if you are doing it by learning with someone. So uh, every time I go somewhere, I always try to understand how is it to, uh, to develop things. So they give you the freedom, you have opportunities to collaborate with people that can teach you uh, new skills and then you can just go and develop your own or they allow you and motivate you to allow your own. So this sort of freedom, I always like, it's something that I valued a lot and I always uh, seek when I was like trying to, to, to see like uh, opportunities for me or uh, in, in the environmental aspect. Uh, another thing is if you have uh, people that are strong in your field uh, in this environment also it can be good because you're going to learn a lot you'll be able to collaborate a lot so um, but sometimes you uh, people also should not be afraid if you are the first one in your field in your place because uh, you will be the one developing this and others can follow you and can learn with you and sometimes it can also gives you more freedom to develop what you want instead of following the same line of the people that were there already successful. So don't be afraid. Just, uh, just, just uh, understand if the if you have the the a support from the institution, a support from the lab, from the, the your supervisor, and if it's a place that you know that you can learn and that you can develop what you want and the skills that you need. I think this is. Uh, this is what is important. Like these are the important points. And so, like it, it's it's interesting because that's the we have like a program here, where like the students do like their first years a master's uh, degree. So they do the rotations in three different labs, and the first thing that they go like they just want to know like what kind of techniques can I learn in your lab. And then I always have the same conversation uh, with them. But I turn and say, like, guys, use this opportunity just not to see, like, whoa, what kind of, like, which microscope I'm going to be driving or what kind of things I'm going to be doing. Like, yes, that's important because you need to build your technical aspect, your bench side of things. Um, but you also need to use this time to look at, like, how mentors or supervisors are going to invest in you how they're going to be pushing you to publish 
or to accomplish other sides that will make your CV and your portfolio stronger. Um, and, and I think like it's important for you to, to open your eyes to the environment as you, as you, you mentioned, it's very important. Yeah. And Mari, how did you overcome talking to someone you found originally intimidating? Yeah, so this is a good question. Uh, it was very hard for me actually when I moved from Brazil uh, because I had I faced like many barriers. One one was the language, for example, because I had to learn. And here, specifically here in uh, in Canada, in in Montreal, where I live, I had to learn two languages, French and English. So it's a, a funny joke that I always I always make is that uh, people that speak English they always say ah she doesn't speak very good English because she's learning French and then people that speak French ah she's not learning <laughs> so I can, I could benefit on living on a bilingual place no I'm joking but I I always try to uh, this the language was the first barrier but after like once you are in the environment and then you get to know uh, a lot of people work in your field you feel also. Uh, more confident but for me actually what was the main point was participating sitting in committees I think um, with um, uh, like people at different levels so I have their colleagues that at the same level as me but also a little bit advanced and then the senior ones and when we sit in a committee and we discuss topics everybody is the same and and then you get to learn uh, some aspects like with people that are more experienced and they also get to see that uh, e that we are at the same level is just that we are in different uh, parts of the path and uh, even though like sometimes people that are because people for me more intimidating was always people that are more senior more experienced because I always was afraid that, that the, this person is going to think that I'm not good or something uh, like a bit insecurity and then when I was uh, seeing that, no, everybody was at the same stage as me at some point, even if now they are much more advanced, at some point they were at the same situation as me. So they, they will understand and they will see me as equal because they were like also at some point in the same situation or, or stage as me. So when I, I started keeping this in mind and then I started feeling more, more confident in this aspect. And then when I sit in these committees, I, I see this because in these committees, we are equal deciding things or discussing things that is of uh, the interest of everybody. So this is a situation that, that we realize this better, like that doesn't matter in each stage of your career. Here we are deciding things at the same level. So this helped me to, to feel less intimidated to when I need to talk to somebody, <laughs> to someone. So, Mario, we're just going to switch gears again. So, now we're going to be talking about diversity, inclusion, and other hot topics in uh, career progression. Uh, but don't worry, I'm not going to put you in any uh, trouble here. But we'd like to hear, again, from your experiences. So, you participate, you're very active now in the new investigators committee from, the, from ISH. So, can you tell us a little bit, like, how your work in that particular committee is helping uh, or is aims to help ECRs? Yeah, so uh, this is what, what uh, is one of our goals. We want to, like what we want in the committee is to create a platform where everybody can feel equal. Doesn't matter the country you're going, like the, like, uh, the, the, the country culture, socioeconomic level of education or stage in your career. Uh, we don't want to, uh, is, we just want to create a platform where everybody's going to feel equal and will face similar opportunities or freedom to discuss. It's exactly the same example or aspect that I, that I told you about the, when I talked to someone intimidating that when you are sitting in a table, like sitting in a committee where everybody is talking about the same subject, even if you have different experience or you are part of different groups of minorities, the fact that you are in this environment, I think helps you like to feel e like more this equal 
and and like free to discuss and to point out barriers and problems so we want the, the, this our committee is targeting this like we want to create events and create initiatives where we want to bring everybody to the same level like equal and, and open opportunities to everyone at the same way we also want to motivate um uh, people to participate in this committee, like countries where uh, we have uh, um, uh, like more uh, an, an equal situation. So, for example, I come from Brazil, and I know that there the the social economic uh, aspect is very important to even to create opportunities and to advance in the career, and and this is something that um, can be a, a committee that helps you to interact with different groups and to network and to open up for opportunities to study in other places and to learn other things. I think this is something that, that we want. We want the, to interact, to, to don't, don't take into consideration much the barriers, but just create a platform where everybody can feel equal, like, and then can develop the skills that you need and opportunity to, to express the needs that you, that, that you need and that will help in your career. So this is uh, our goal. Because it's very hard to, uh, we know, we understand that the question of diversity and inclusion, there are many aspects. So there are cultural aspects. Sometimes you are in a country where culture limits a bit this. So uh, some places, as I said, Brazil is the social economic status that limits a lot of the opportunities uh, uh, and the possibilities to advance in the career. Uh, we have, uh, so, it's, uh, we know that depending on the country and depending on, on where you live and the culture where you live, there are many different aspects and it's hard to try to correct or to uh, balance them all. So the best we thought is to create this equal platform where everybody's going to feel equal and an opportunity to express or to understand or to uh, ask what is needed to succeed. Just like to like to change a little bit, Marika, because I want to pick up on something that you said about the culture differences. So you went from Brazil, to Canada, Canada to Oxford, like, and then Oxford back to Canada. So three different cultures, and I I done similar things: Brazil, Canada, Canada, UK, and they are completely different cultures. How yeah. did you manage to deal with the culture shock? Yeah, it's uh, me because I'm a person that I I never faced the cultural differences as a barrier, but as an opportunity to learn. Like I am a person like this. For example, languages, um, uh, even food. Uh, for example, when I live in Oxford, I love the high tea. I love the five p.m. tea. I love this. So in a way that I'm going to, to I, I read a lot of books also while I was there. I was, so I try to engage in the culture in a way that I can understand a bit. I felt a bit uh, barriers by being foreign, like by being an international person. Some places I, I felt, I'm not saying about Oxford, I'm saying like in everywhere that I've been, uh, I felt like this a bit uh, by being like a person, um, from other country, but I, I, at the same time, I always felt that people were curious to also learn from my culture, like to ask and to learn from my, from my culture. And I am a person like this too, that even though like uh, I moved from Brazil and I'm not there many years, Brazil is always with me. Like I never forget where I came from. And, and I always try like some cultural aspects with me that for example, my mate, I was drinking my mate in some meetings in Oxford and <laughs> it was, uh, I'm drinking some mate now, Shimahou, in my meetings in my lab now in Canada. So uh, some things come with me. But I always, uh, I, I think having this attitude of respecting the culture and trying to learn also with them, uh, I think it helps. Uh, so me, I always had this attitude. It's something that always came with me and uh, wherever I was going, I always I was always interested to learn. So this is why also since I arrived, from the moment I arrived in Montreal, the first thing I did actually before even registering to my institute, my research institute was registering a French course. 
because I, and not because just I wanted to learn a new language and French is a beautiful language, but I, I, I saw that by learning French, I could enjoy much more Quebec and Montreal uh, in, a, in a full context, not just because it's very bilingual here, but I could, I, I could be, I will be able to enjoy this in the complete sense, like in uh, both sides of the language. So this is uh, the attitude that I had. And I think it was, it helped me a lot on the way. And I recommend this, like never say, never looking at culture uh, as, a, as a barrier, but as an, an opportunity to learn new things and to adapt also. So it, it changed. Yeah. I'm, I'm very happy that I got a chance to ask you that question because me and Milton, we have like an inside thing that every single situation is awkward with us. We turn to each other and we go like this. How would Mary, no, Mary, how would Mari uh, react to this? And then you go like, yeah, so that's how our approach. And yes, guys, we do know each other for a long time. And then like, Mari, it is, you know, this happy person that we should have as a reference. Yeah, that was such a beautiful answer. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed that. Thank you for sharing that with us. I think I think we three shared the same experience because we are three three people here that left the country. We are very Brazilians, proud Brazilians still, but we adapted very well to our our new culture. So we I think we are three that, like very similar in this context. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 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 and I can see that. Yeah, that's why we get along. <laughs> Um, and Mani, you became a mom two years ago. So can you tell us if you have any advice specifically for women uh, in research? Yeah, so uh, this is also um, an important aspect for me that now that I am in the, in the International Society of Hypertension, I'm the ambassador of the new investigator committee in the Women in Hypertension Research. And... Uh, uh, because for me, I feel this, like, I, I can tell you that it's hard uh, to, to, re to balance uh, the, 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 it becomes harder actually to balance the, the personal life with the work life uh, with working uh, in when after you have a baby, because you feel very shared and sometimes you wanted to dedicate more to one side than the other and you just know you cannot. So things become like, it's hard to balance this. And I, I, I have to admit, that, uh, to admit that I struggled a lot because especially because I was very used to work a lot, to be hardworking and I always enjoy my work. And then when I be became a mother, I had to find a way to balance this in a way that uh, I, I sometimes I want to dedicate to one a lot and I cannot, and I have to balance this. And this balance, finding this balance have been uh, very hard for me. And this um, uh, sharing the experience, I think with others uh, is, it helps a lot because you also understand that, that this is for all, like happens a bit for all uh, that has to pass through this. And that, uh, but that it, there are ways to balance this better and to organize yourself. So one thing you have to be very organized. You have, you need a good team around you that is going to be supportive, and you need to share this experience and with others. And I think the participating in these committees where you can interact uh, with other women that are passing through the same situation or passed already, they can help a lot to give you advice and. Uh, uh, um, like on how how to like how to overpass these struggles. For me, especially when I came back from the maternity leave, was very hard because I I had to perform a lot in this because I spent here in Canada. It's uh, I uh, you can go up to a year or even more like maternity leave. I took like a little bit less than a year. And uh, even though like my lab continue being active, I have a research assistant and also it was, we have also the, we had also the COVID in the middle of all this, but I was able even during my maternity leave to write some grants, to write some papers, uh, not the same way as before, but I was able to continue doing it because I had the support of my lab. But once I came back, uh, I, I was not prepared for that, I think. Like it was just too much. And then the first month I struggled so much to find this balance. 
and I was feeling very guilty. I think everybody can share this experience because uh, I, I was feeling guilty sometimes because of my baby and guilty sometimes because of my team, because I couldn't dedicate too much. So, and then I was just trying to find a way, okay, how can I balance all this? So this, uh, this transition, like coming back where you, you are forced a bit to perform because all your team is waiting for you. The institution is expecting that you come back to all committees or every, all activities that you participated before. I was also starting my position as assistant professor. So I have some teaching also activities. So all of these, and I, I was just, how do I do this? And then I changed the experience. I exchanged a bit experience with some peers and colleagues and mentor advice also. And, and uh, we can find a way, we find a way, like things start getting a little bit easier, but this is a, a, a moment that I think it's very important to have the support when you come back uh, until the things uh, you feel safe and you feel that the things are more stable and that you found a bit this balance. So I think it's good to have support and to find where to find the support also. Thank you. That, that's really good advice. And, uh, and the, perhaps something as a society that we can develop further is facilitating networks of uh, researchers that have had uh, families and how they manage that so they can learn and share. Yeah, because I'm sure that all women, they, uh, me, I am in the department now where we have like uh, most, like we are women professors, uh, but, and I, they shared with me this, is, is a struggle. Like, uh, doesn't matter, like you, you need the support. You need to, to have this understanding that it's a hard moment. I think the, the pressure that you have should be also uh, less like because it was very it, it was very hard in the beginning to find this balance and find a way to to balance all this without feeling guilty in one side or the other and also to enter again in this in this uh, path that is very competitive and how you become how you can compete again how you can go back on track so it takes a bit of time to get this you know i'm very happy that you you answer more because I, I remember you answered that, Matt. Because I remember like a long, long time ago when I was like just starting like ocean conferences and I mentioned like a talk about mentorship. And somebody asked, "Is like, oh, uh, to, <laughs> to, the, to the speaker, I, I just had a baby and I'm like, I don't know how did you deal with like being a mom?" And then the lady just was like, "Well, I hired a nanny. I have money and I spend the money on the nanny <laughs> and, and a nanny." And I'm like good answer <laughs> I'm like oh my god the girl's face was like yeah I'm doomed <laughs> like I don't have the kind of money <laughs> yeah we don't have this kind of money and another another point also uh, is in which stage of her career is better to have a baby I had people already asking me this and I say the time that you think is best for you you cannot just let people tell you when it's best for you. You have to decide when it's best for you. And uh, what I see is that doesn't matter the time that you decide to have a baby. It's going to work. You find a way. Sometimes it can be harder, it can be easier, but you are going to find a way. You just have to uh, have this understanding that you need, you need support and where to find the support. You need to also be sure that people around you, is going, uh, they are going to understand all the steps that you have to go through. And I think this is a, a, an important aspect that is hard for women when they decide to go to academia and to research career because the things are not sometimes very um, uh, stable. Like, uh, uh, if I'm missing the world when it's- um, Like straightforward? Permanent or, yeah, mm -hmm. straightforward. So we have these exactly these ups and downs. And then uh, that sometimes can be harder even for women. And then plus you have to face the, the, the motherhood aspect that you have. And, and then uh, you, it, it's just that you need to create the support and to have this network of support that is going to advise you and uh, giving you some understanding of, of all the difficulties that you have and to see if you can overpass this. But I see that a lot of women struggle and me myself, I struggle and I'm still trying to find this balance. And I think in any stage of your career you have, you face this, it's going to be hard, but you can, uh, you, you find a way. The good thing is that 
uh, we can find a way if we have like this support uh, around us. We had like uh, someone in the lab that was pregnant and then came like super white, nervous. They're like, I'm, I'm pregnant and I need to tell you in the end. So I don't know how we end, would react. And I was like, should be happy for you. She said, congratulations. And I, and I even, I even like say like, Rianne's going to be like this. Oh my God, it's amazing. You should be so happy. And she's like, oh really? I was like, yeah. What you have to do now is enjoy this moment because it's amazing. You wanted uh, to have a baby. So it's great. Now you're going to have the baby. Now the lab, don't worry about it. You have a group. The group's going to help you. You're going to have support, like data, like, you know, Data is not going to be a problem. Uh, your PhD, like, is not going to be a problem. So enjoy the pregnancy and enjoy uh, the baby and stop being nervous. But yeah. I, we have the two sides. Like, we have the side that is harder. I think for women, I uh, this this stage is harder. I cannot just say that it's not. Like, it's as I said, it's it's going to be hard any time, but you find a way. But it's also a unique opportunity, like, and it's a, it's a, an advantage also that you have, like, by being a woman and being able to have, like, uh, to have, like, your, your children during this. And then, like, me, myself, for example, I feel now complete. I feel now that uh, I have, like, everything that I wanted. And I just now need to keep this well to be able to succeed in all aspects and to manage and balance this. But... At the same time, I, I also understand people that decide to don't have, like uh, I have colleagues of mine uh, that they decided to don't have. And I think it's, a, it's in a choice. And I understand because um, each one is individual. And I think this is the, the important point also for women that uh, they shouldn't be pressured during their career on when to have babies and to have babies, but they have to decide if they need and when they need and when it's best for them and because it's hard for us to have the pressure of su or succeeding or progressing in our careers plus the pressure of of having a baby so it's too much pressure to deal with so i think this part should be left in a way that we can have this conversation but not in a way of putting pressure or telling people when to have but just decide decide and be free to decide and whatever you decide is going to be okay. You are going to continue, you're going to have the support and you're going to succeed anyways. So just this, this freedom is important. Yeah. So switching pressures now, Mary. Maddie, I, I don't know why I keep saying Mary. Like I wanted to make your name more English, Maddie. So um, going from pregnancy, which is amazing, to something that's not amazing, which is COVID and yeah. the whole pandemic issue. So as you know, a lot of ECRs maybe lost their jobs, lost like funding, labs lost funding. So the situation is really complicated in, for, for many people, which threatens uh, our career and the, the progress of our career. So what do you think that our community could be doing to support these junior researchers that may be at risk due to uh, COVID-19? Yeah, so uh, this is a, a very important uh, point. And uh, particularly for students and people that were exactly in this moment of transition, I think the impact of COVID, the negative impact of COVID is huge. And uh, a way, for example, that, um, that us in the, in the new investigator committee of the International Society of Hypertension, we discussed and we decided to help is exactly this to create, a, a, to facilitate networking, sharing experience uh, between students, because now we have to understand that, that they don't have conferences anymore where they can um, share, uh, meet colleagues or uh, other groups, uh, because this also was an opportunity to meet uh, groups to perhaps do a postdoc or to do this transition and now they lost all this. So we wanted to create like platforms or initiatives that we can facilitate this networking, collaborations to meeting uh, groups in, in like international for international collaboration. So the Ishlai, for example, that 
um, that is starting now, that is not just new investigator committee, but we have like many committees. Uh, they are planned to be this platform where, where we want to, to facilitate people to find ways to interact and to network and to collaborate with uh, international people and share their experience and their struggles. Um, but I know that, uh, that uh, it, it's hard, like it's, uh, it's very, even for, for me as, as a junior now, starting as an early career research, researcher, I'm having like difficulty uh, to understand what, what should be my priorities now. Uh, how should I balance uh, all the, 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 the things that I need for my uh, promotion, for example, uh, in facing the barriers that COVID has, also by taking care of my health, of my health and the health of my family. So we have to consider all this. Uh, how to manage grants and projects if we have all the restrictions now, some projects had to stop. So uh, how to balance these into the side priorities is very complicated for early careers, for early, early career researchers. So again, I think sharing experience with peers, collaborations, I think became more important than ever because you can now uh, define projects that can... Um, can still have a good quality if you have this support from collaborations. So, uh, and for students, I think um, keeping up like with their plans, but also trying to uh, share their experience, share their, their, sharing their struggles and with others that are passing by the same situation and also finding where to get help. I think it's, uh, it's, uh, it's going to help a bit now in, the, in this COVID or until the things get a bit better for, for everyone. No, I agree with that. And I think that that's uh, also a good opportunity to find a mentor and develop a relationship with a mentor during COVID. Yeah. Because that even though you can't necessarily have all the networking that we would otherwise in a conference, at least your mentor can try to facilitate some of that. Yeah. All right, that was all the questions we had today, Mari. Thank you so much. This was a really lovely chat. I really enjoyed it. And I'm sure everybody listening uh, is going to enjoy it as well. And learning, everybody's going to learn a lot from uh, everything that you mentioned. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you a lot. It was great to share this moment with, uh, with you uh, that are more than just uh, peers. They, you are like my... You are my friend, colleagues also that we share, like uh, we are always sharing experience. I think we are a good, good. Um, I think we are a good example of a group that we, we can mentor each other, like to do this peer mentoring, because we are always supporting each other. We understand each other. And I think this is a, this is a good aspect of academia that we have to meet amazing people brilliant people, but amazing people also that can uh, help us on the way and will be with us like during, during this way. So thanks awesome. a lot for inviting me. I hope I could, I could give, I could contribute. <laughs> You're amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Maddie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our interview. If you'd like more tips on mentoring, subscribe to our podcast for more interviews with senior and emerging leaders. Stay safe, open-minded and kind.